You're listening to The Thriving Lawyer with Kathleen Brenner. Are you a lawyer who's feeling burnt out but wants more in life? Do you want to live a purpose-driven life that is filled with more meaning and joy? A life where you can absolutely thrive as a lawyer, but not at the expense of everything else that's important to you. If you are, you've come to the right place. I'm a lawyer, a coach, a dreamer, and a change maker. My mission is to help you grow and thrive, to embody your values and strengths as both a lawyer and human being, and to expand what is possible for you so you can create a more joyful, fulfilling, and impactful life than you ever previously imagined possible to thrive. Happy New Year, lawyers. I hope that you've had a fantastic break. If, of course, you've been able to take one, I know that some of you will be holding the respective forts in your law firms or your departments. So if that's you, um, I hope that it's um, a little bit of quiet time for you to get some work done. But for those of you who have been able to take a break, I hope that you're disconnecting from your clients and your email to recharge. And welcome to the very first episode of The Thriving Lawyer. I'm so excited to be recording this. This podcast has been a long time coming. And in case you missed it, my mission is to help lawyers thrive in all aspects of their lives. So in their work, as well as the rest of their life. So if you haven't yet listened to my intro, I would suggest going back to listen to that. Um, If you don't know me, you'll get a little bit of background about who I am and what I'm about. But to the theme of today, um, the theme for today's podcast is why your New Year's resolution probably won't work and how to set goals if you want to. So today, given it will be early January by the time that this goes out into the world, I thought that this topic might have some resonance because so many of us will set New Year's resolutions and they tend to not work. And what I wanted to do is to share some of what I've learned in my own coaching journey about why that is and how it is that we should go about setting better goals if that is indeed something that you want to do. Um, So for probably upfront clarity, I should probably say that I am not a fan of New Year's resolutions at least the way that most people make them for reasons that will become fairly clear very shortly. Now, it's not that they don't have merit. They do. The public declarations to others of your intention or your intentions can be great. And the end of the year and the beginning of another, well, it's a great time to think about our dreams and our goals and to put in place the plans and behavioral intentions that will assist you to get there. So part of this is because we measure our lives in years. We structure our lives around the year. And so reflecting on the end and the beginning of the year is really a convenient unit of measurement for us to use to evaluate our lives. You know, we can reflect on where we've been, where we are and where we want to go. The problem is that New Year's resolutions, at least in the way that they are commonly set, are often problematic. And this is because, in my view, at most, they're vague intentions. I've been there. I've done it. Um, The problem is that the goals and the habits, um, well, goals are hard to achieve. Habits are hard to change. 
So what that leads to is mayor intentions are really just likely to fail. You'll probably end up with your New Year's resolution in the graveyard of good intentions within a few days or by mid-January at the latest. So given this bleak reality, where does that leave us? Well, firstly, if you have set a New Year's resolution or feel that you should set one for the year, I'd like you to first reflect on why you set it or feel that you should set it. So a question that you might want to ask yourself is, does the resolution you have set relate to something that's important to you that you really want to achieve this year? So if you achieved it, would it bring you closer to your dreams or your best life? Um, Another good question to ask yourself is, well, what kind of person would you be if you achieved it? Or is it just a common one, a resolution that everybody sets? You know, the kind of generic, I will lose a certain number of kilos or I will go to the gym three times a week kind of goal that you just set because of social pressure. Did you just set it, for example, because you were out with friends enjoying a few drinks on New Year's Eve and they all had one um, and you felt obliged to um, come up with something? I know that that's certainly something that I've seen happen in the past. So ultimately, is it something that you really want to achieve? Oh, there was my cat just scratching. The key point I want to make here is that if it isn't important to you, you don't need to make it. Indeed, it is completely okay to not have big goals. So you might be surprised to hear me say that. After all, as lawyers, we're supposed to be driven. And as a coach, you probably expected me to be all about optimization and goal attainment. And whilst I'm absolutely interested in peak performance and goal attainment, what I am ultimately interested in is the pursuit of a thriving life. So basically, I'm not that kind of coach. So you might be in a position in life where everything is going well. You're happy in your work and your personal life with a job that brings you meaning and satisfaction. Or perhaps you are so busy that what you actually want to do is subtract things from your life. Both of these scenarios are completely okay. There is this culture of relentless optimization that I think we really need to challenge. There is something of a doing obsession in our culture that pushing towards achieving something more, always wanting more. In my view, it's the very logic of capitalism in the dominant form that it's practice. And so unfortunately, so often we achieve a goal, then it's no longer gives us that level of satisfaction that we assumed it would. In fact, even if we achieve that goal working so hard to do so, it can leave us empty and fulfilled, no matter how successful we appear to the rest of the world. And if we don't have such a goal that we are pursuing, we're sometimes made to feel that we're somehow not performing or pulling our weight. So for lawyers, I think this is something in particular that we consider, although I think it's relevant for most people in Western culture, but I do think it has particular resonance for us. And the reason for that is, is that the very status of our profession means that we're usually considered successful in adverted commas by outsiders. And there's that constant push to perform, you know, to do better, to work longer, a culture that whilst is being challenged particularly since the pandemic, I think, is still quite dominant. And a culture, in my view, that starts from the moment that we're in law school. Um, A lot of law schools, certainly it was the case for me, and it still seems 
to me that it's like that from the young law students that I've talked to that they're given a set of options you know quite often in narrow terms about what it means to be successful and they're chasing that and in quite a state of stress from the moment they're you know studying contract law or tort law um so for a lot of lawyers i think the net effect of the cultural status around our profession is that despite that status and despite so often seeming successful we can feel like we are never good enough or we can be dissatisfied or deeply unhappy and i know from talking to the lawyers in my circle that this is sometimes the case you know and far too often and the legal profession has a massive problem with this because we end up losing good lawyers far too early and the profession needs all the good lawyers that it can get at the moment um, I think you will all know about the shortages in your um, respective pockets of the legal profession at the moment and so perhaps what you actually need is to subtract things from your life to stop doing certain things maybe that's your goal to cut certain things out of your life that no longer serve you to give you more space for the things that do um, I think that this is one of the issues too with a lot of goal setting is that it often ends up looking like yet an extra thing to do, another obligation, something to add in. But what's often forgotten is the reality that for every yes, there's a no. So if you're going to add something new into your life and have a new commitment or a new goal, then it's going to be very important for you to consider, well, what is it that you actually need to say no to so that you can have more space for the things that you do want to include? So to bring us back to the central point, it is useful to first consider, well, where is that desire for that resolution or goal coming from? And another really important aspect of the goal or dream, if it's better for you to conceptualize it as a dream, setting process is that what is often overlooked is reflection i think it is really important before you begin to set goals that you are really honest about where you are now and so at the end of or beginning of a year i'm a big fan of taking some time out for a bit of a reflection piece questions that you might want to ask yourself um, include what went well what didn't go well what did you fail at and what did you learn from that? What were your successes and what did you learn from those successes? You might also want to consider the values that you were living by over the last year and whether they are the values that you actually want to live by. That's an issue I see a lot in the legal profession because often people find themselves compelled to take a job because of the financial benefits from that. And they might be working with clients or doing a type of legal work that actually doesn't align very well with their most fundamental values. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that that's one of the most common sources of dissatisfaction in the legal profession, apart from um, our ideas around success. Um, in fact, they're probably linked because you're more likely to take that job with the big salary, even if it's not the kind of work you want, if you think that you need to have those external aspects of um, kind of prestige if you're going to be successful. Another great question that you might want to ask yourself is what are you most proud of? You know, what was it that you achieved in the past year? 
Another great question is, well, how did you foster the relationships that are most important in your life? That's a great one because it begins to get to the things that are important to you aside from your lawyering. Another great question, and I think that this can be really helpful for lawyers, is when you were not being a lawyer, who were you being? Gets to the crux of it, I think, because what I have seen over my 15 or so years in the legal profession and particularly have become aware of since I've engaged in this coaching work over the last several years is that we as lawyers tend to hold our identity as lawyers incredibly close to the point where sometimes when I speak to young or experienced lawyers who are dissatisfied and want change but don't know where to start, they can't even begin to imagine who they are apart from their identity as lawyers. Now, I think that this is particularly an issue in Western culture where when you first meet someone and you ask, you know, you say hello, you ask, how are you? Um, One of the first questions that you tend to ask is, what do you do? Now, when I spent a lot of time in Europe um, with other professionals, what I noticed was that question never came up. It was almost by accident. If it did, you simply didn't talk about your work or your identity in your professional life. You were much more likely to talk to somebody about how they spend their time, their interests, uh, what it is that's important to them, um, where they holiday, that kind of thing. But really, the identity as a lawyer um, simply wasn't the key factor. What I like about that question as well is that it goes to the heart of values in terms of what's important to you and how you spend your time. And this is something that I work a lot with my clients. It's this process of exploring and defining values, which can be such deep and explorative work. But it's absolutely crucial because if you don't know your values and what is most important to you, it is impossible to pick the right goals. And that goes to whether the goals that you're trying to set are in your broader life or whether there's specific work goals about becoming a better leader or manager or a particular skill or thing that you want to learn or perhaps a different direction you want to take. Because what this values work does is enable us to go to the goal behind the goal. So it enables us to dig into, well, what is the real reason you actually want to achieve something? And perhaps when you've identified the real reason, you are able to dream and reflect more broadly. And perhaps the goal that you need is actually something different. Okay, we don't necessarily take the goals that you set at face value in the first instance. What we want to do is look behind it and consider what really is the driver for you. Because big goals tend to take hard work. And to perform at our best, we really need to be able to enter a state of flow. And we are likely only able to do that if what we want to achieve is aligned with our most important values. So something that gives us ultimate meaning and purpose. So it might be useful to ask yourself, well, what is important to you about achieving this goal right now? What will it bring to your life? What kind of person would you be if you achieved it? So... To bring us back to my beginning assertion that your New Year's resolution probably won't work, it is because they are mere intentions. So they're often made without us reflecting on where we're at and often we make them without reflecting on our most important goals and values. So 
how do we deal with this? What are some other questions that we might want to consider? Well, some of the ones that um, I use, particularly when I'm working with clients, is, well, I ask them, how does it fit in with the rest of your life? Are you ready to achieve your goal? Are you committed? On a scale of one to 10, what is your level of commitment? Basically, goal setting theory tells us if there's anything under a seven, then you might want to reconsider. You probably don't have the right goal. Do you have space for that goal? If you are adding something that is a big commitment, what you must, must you stop doing so that there is space for you to do the work that you will need to achieve the goal? That's that point that I made earlier about perhaps you need to subtract something. And that goes for whether you're setting a goal or not. If you've got too much, perhaps it's about removing and simplicity. But if you're going to add something, well, you're going to have to find that time from somewhere. We all have 24 hours. Of course, we don't come to that 24 hours equally because some of us have more privilege than others. But nevertheless, we only have a certain amount of time. And so we're needing to prioritize and perhaps give things up. And then once we are sure that we have the right goal, because it fits with our values and it will contribute to what giving or what gives us meaning and purpose in our lives and that we are sure that we have the necessary level of commitment. We then need to consider the beliefs that we have about ourselves. Are there any limiting beliefs that no longer serve us? So here, what you might want to ask yourself is, well, what are the beliefs about yourself that you would need to change to believe that you could actually achieve that goal? I know that that's been something that I've been playing with, for example, in relation to my physical fitness, because as a child and a teenager, I was so often that little kid who went off reading books that I never considered myself as athletic, even though actually it wasn't at all accurate because I was great in the pool. But I carried around that belief that I just wasn't athletic for many, many years, and it still plagues me and it's something that I have to be aware of. Um, so, you know, I think that that's just a single little example of how so often we are prone to mental distortions or mental patterns that are just not helpful. So perhaps, for example, you don't believe that you're good enough or perhaps you're just not that kind of person, like my little example with the athletics. Um, another key piece is around the right mindset. Now, just like beliefs, like I could spend a whole day talking about this or, you know, more than a whole podcast and, and I will in future. But for, I suppose, for our purposes now, a key question is to ask is, well, do you have a learning mindset or a fixed mindset? What do you need to learn to achieve your goal? Because so often there's performance goals, but wrapped up in that, there might be learning goals about the things that you need to learn in order to be able to achieve what it is that you are um, seeking to. So, for example, with this podcast, for me, I've been very clear about the kind of learning goals that I need to put in place because I've never done this before. So I don't know the tech, the recording, the editing process, any of that, how I need to share it to get it out in the world. Um, so one of the things that I've been doing is being very clear about those things so that I can put in the time to make that learning. So that's something that you might want to consider, for example, if there's a particular goal in your legal work that you want to put in place or perhaps it's something else is um, considering what it is that you need to learn and how you can have that mindset. So from that, once you've got the right mindset, another crucial aspect is to consider, well, what are the barriers or challenges that you might face? 
Now, what goal setting theory tells us with this is that it's once that you have a kind of clear understanding of those barriers and challenges, what you're able to do is to then plan as to how you will respond to them. So, for example, I know that after a busy day of doing legal work, the risk is that in the weekday evenings, let's say a Tuesday evening, I'll be tired and I won't want to do any of my coaching or training related work. So I'll have to plan for that. So for me, I know that the thing I need to do is move my body. So that might involve doing some exercise, maybe a yoga class or maybe going down for, to the beach for a quick walk. So I can plan and put in behavioral intentions so that essentially I increase my likelihood of doing that and that I can come back refreshed and then ready to do some work. Now, that's something I'm focusing on at the moment so that I can manage my energy in a better way, given that I have such big goals about what I want to do with everything to do with Minerva coaching and the thriving lawyer. So I'll have more to say about planning and process, including implementation intentions in future episodes. But I think what I've done for this episode is hopefully give you at least a little bit of a framework as to how you can begin to set better goals. So I'd really encourage you, if you've got a New Year's resolution that's a mere intention, how can you build on it? How can you use the framework that I've set out today to create something that you might actually achieve? So I'd be really keen to hear about... um, what you've done and how you've gone. So feel free to get in touch um, via email or on social media and let me know what your New Year's resolutions were and how you have converted them. And that brings us to the end of episode one. We have covered a lot of ground today. I hope that you've gained something out of it. um, And I look forward to hearing how you've gone away and made your New Year's resolution into something that you might actually achieve. So thanks for listening and until next time.